Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, back in the Detroit Is Different podcast studios, and I am here, as I often use the term, big homies. (laughs) But this time these are like real big homies So like certain big homies you meet After you become an adult And then they have like a view of who you are And what you are and what you do I had no um, I had no control Over one of these people It's like They were like babysitting me before I even knew I guess who I was outside of God knowing who I was Mm -hmm. One of my biggest cousins (laughs) Is in full effect And then another one of my big cousins Who is Definitely, as I always say, when I talk about uh, people think like, man, you always talking about this and talking about that when it comes to black people in history. It's like, if you think <laughs> I have a lot to say, you have obviously <laughs> not met my cousin. <laughs> I have only the tip of the iceberg of commentary on white supremacy, the indoctrination of it. Uh, social injustice Mm -hmm. and just the historical precedent of many of the challenges and trauma that we face Mm -hmm. in the black community Mm -hmm. and she can give so much more context to this but just like me people originally did not know her for speaking on social theories like this people knew her as a creative Mm -hmm. but now most of you guys probably refer to this woman as Reverend Maiwa. <laughs> now it's Dr. Mama Maiwa. Mama Maiwa. Dr. Mama Maiwa. <laughs> Reverend Doctor. To you, that is. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like those old school people be like, you better put doctor in front of Martin Luther King. He went to school for that. That's right. right. She That's went to right. school for that. <laughs> See, as both of these women are educators uh, and in some of the toughest forms education my cousin vicky and most people know her as miss green yeah from cast tech yeah and people always be like miss green is your cousin right like, yes famous yes <laughs> she is famous <laughs> we knew we knew of uh miss green as someone that read so much but also appreciated such urban novels as like mm. every Donald Goins. Oh my God, everyone. <laughs> everyone. Yes. But they are here in full effect. How are both of you? Good. Excellent. Doing <laughs> great. Glad to be here. And my cousin was like, you should have told me this is going to be video. She's fresh See? out of working out. Right. <laughs> so let me give that context right now because workout life, See? health is wealth. Yes. Yeah. Both of them running 5Ks and everything. That's walking. 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 <laughs> running. I'm going to say running. You see it into existence. I, I ain't running right. nothing but my mouth. Right. I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> but along with great. that, uh, both teachers at Cast Tech, mm-hmm. the big CT. Um, and we're going to give a lot of historical context. Many people know them from a lot of different things. But we're going to start mm-hmm. with my big my big homie my cousin <laughs> she knows this is not being the detroit is different podcast studios mm-hmm. how like most people have come over here mm-hmm. and noticed as this mm-hmm. was my grandma's bedroom yes it was mother deer's bedroom yep. so let's talk a little bit about mother deer and let's talk about growing up in detroit 
for you and your Detroit story. Mm. Okay. Um, which is kind of similar to my Detroit story, but let's talk about your memory with it. What are some of your first memories of this neighborhood growing up? Oh my goodness. I remember, I thought about this when I came down the street earlier. I remember coming down this block, um, being in the back seat of the car, mama driving more than likely coming over for some family event, dinner or something like that. And the trees, the trees line both sides of the street and they reached over and they touched in the middle and kind mm-hmm. of intertwined so that when the sun came through, it was like sparkly looking coming down the street and this street to me was a beautiful magical street Mm. every lot had a house and every house had a family and it was a beautiful beautiful block uh growing up i so look forward to coming over here lots of kids lots of young people lots of things to do um it was just a, a great place to be I'm still amazed when I look around the house now. I remember it being like 40 and 50 of us for family dinner. And I'm thinking, how? <laughs> right. Where do we fit? There's one bathroom. Like, who does that now? Everybody has two and three <laughs> bathrooms in the home. But that that's one of one of my earliest memories. And like I always <laughs> say to, to Dara, mm-hmm. your relationship with our grandmother, mm-hmm. Mother Dear, was so much different as she was still working. Yes. Whereas we had that grandma relationship, the retired grandma relationship, mm-hmm. kind right. of uh, my uh, as as I generally have my big homies on here, but my little homie, my was youngest Khalifa, yes, mm-hmm. had that relationship with her grandmas too. It's like the the retired grandma grandma is a different right. grandma right. than the working grandma grandma. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what was that like? just building that relationship seeing mother there working like really you were like one of the few to really experience that i did kari and first of all i want to say you have great questions already I, i'm like extra chill and, and flashing back um i remember mother dear uh i rode with her i was a road dog we went lots of places together so even when she was working often i was working with her I remember going to the church. I also remember her um, going to people's homes with her uh, when she was a, a social worker and the um, secretary of the church and the music minister of the church. And she always had 50, 11 million things to do. <laughs> and so I, I remember um, making a lots of those of those trips with her, um, going from place to place and making things happen. She was a that was a busy woman. She always had things to do. And then um, I also remember, which, of course, Kari, you don't, but Mother Dear's mother mm-hmm. was alive and well. And uh, her bedroom was the room that's next door to where we are right now. It was Mama Rulak's room. And I remember her uh, being alive. And she lived in the cottage that was in the back now. The people would think it was a garage, but it used to be a house. Um, and coming over on Saturday mornings, and uh, big my mom... And Mother Dear would go to the Eastern Market and get stuff for the week for everybody. And I would sit with Mama Rulak and, and keep her company while they did that. And um, I just remember it was always, always, always something to do. She always had something. Even when she retired, though, she had something to do. Because my son used to work with her in the yard out here all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And planting flowers and pulling weeds and all that kind of stuff. So I just remember a lady that stayed really, really, really busy. Okay, and when you talk about just being busy in that relationship, from a whole nother scope, I'm going to come to asking Maiwa mm-hmm. some questions of, you were, you were so fit 
as Myra <laughs> is the wife of your brother. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and right. and at this point in time, for years now, mm-hmm. it, it, one does not come without the other. As <laughs> our family still calls them Leon and Lisa. Right. Some of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like Myra and Lumumba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the coming into the family meeting mm-hmm. mother dear mm-hmm. and this was really the the introduction to the family you've told this story and really uh, Lumumba told the story on his podcast oh yeah I gotta listen to his version go ahead, mm-hmm. go ahead. listen to his version <laughs> it's like revisionist history it's right. like uh it's, it's like who was where mm-hmm. arbitration what was it like coming over here what do you remember of oh, the home goodness. and mother dear and just the feel yes okay so you know that you're special when you've been seeing someone and talking and things are going well and they invite you to their grandmother's church. Mm-hmm. You know that, oh, this is special. And wait, let, so, let me give a little context to my grandma's <laughs> church. And this kind of goes to the social work, too. Right. My grandma was old school. For a long time, black people were Presbyterian. So mm-hmm. it was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not too Catholic and I, I'm not still old school Baptist. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to land on Presbyterian. And she worked with a lot of the Presbyterian Methodist and Catholic ministries as a social worker. Mm-hmm. And I hear all of these stories. Like I, I just hear them from my mom and Aunt Joyce and you right. probably witnesses mm-hmm. where she would work with a lot of the families finding resources mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for the families on the East side. Yes. Uh, generally uh, it, it would be uh, people that believed in giving back through the word so things from clothing to artistry to uh, pianos and mm-hmm. organs. And she would find these resources, get them over to families working right under the parish based system. I'm going real old school for people like, right. to, like <laughs> do some studying and you'll find it out. And she worked as one of those people right along with mm-hmm. a lot of different ministers and priests and it just people working within it but along with that like old school presbyterian church right meaning like the the youngest person in the choir was like a thousand had, had <laughs> yeah yeah they they were they 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 were receiving ara aarp mm-hmm. magazines for a while yeah mm-hmm. so it was like old school church it wasn't your usual but you did come to that journey mm-hmm. so now you can pick up with the okay. coming to the old school church it's like right so this was uh christ presbyterian i believe and mother dear was the minister of music um and it was mother's day mm-hmm. so it's interesting because the backstory is as lamumba and i were walking in at that time leon and lisa as we were walking into the church mary was elbowing vicky and pointing and I wondered what that was about. And of course, later I found I had come to the house to pick up a heating pad for Lamumba. He had hurt his back. And Mary was on the phone with Vicky. That's another sister. <laughs> and um, when I came to the door, she said, oh, no, this is just one of his friends. It's not his girlfriend because I was light skinned and flat chested and that wasn't his type. <laughs> so then when I when I'm coming to Mother Deer's church for Mother's Day, Mary is surprised like, oh, wait a minute. This the girlfriend. <laughs> So we go to church. (laughs) Um, It was great. And then we went to a brunch. Mm -hmm. And all of us, Big Ma, and I I, I fell in love with Big Ma from the first time I saw her because her neck was filled with onks and crosses and and kente cloth. I'm like, this is my kind of sister Mm -hmm. right here. And Mother Dear, 
We're in her home and we're honoring her right now. Mother Deer had two gentlemen at the end of the table <laughs> vying to pay for her children and grandchildren's mm -hmm. and great-grandchildren's brunch. They were yes. like, oh, no, Mary, I'll take care of that. No, Mary, I'm going to buy that. And I was looking at LaMova. I was like, your grandma is a player. <laughs> she had these Hilarious. two guys, are, you know, debating on who was going to pay. We had a great time. Mm -hmm. And so that was nice. I'm And, and Devin. I always tease Devin. That's when Devin fell in love with me. Mm -hmm. He just sat across the table and stared, and we had a great time. And it was what later. Was he, like three? He was three. Yeah, three or four. Mm -hmm. And later that day, I, I was scheduled to come to the house. Mm -hmm. Now, I had my own daughter, and this would be her first time meeting the family because we had decided we were going to be serious. And I had already made up in my mind that the first person that looked at her sideways, or look me up and down. We was out. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much I like him. Mm -hmm. And we walked into Mother Deer's home, this home right here. Mm -hmm. And that was 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mother Deer embraced Nzinga, Big Ma. Everybody was like, oh, here's Devin, here's Donna, here's, you know, Kaylin was a baby. Mm -hmm. They ran outside and played. And everything was smooth. Well, mm -hmm. of course, later, you know, it took 20 or so years later to get Mother Deer's history that while she was a Presbyterian and she was involved with ministry and she was involved with helping people, she was also very human. Mm -hmm. And she understood that life has many dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt uncomfortable and I never felt, my daughter has never, she testified this at various family funerals, she never felt as an outsider. So they embraced us. Mm -hmm. And really, that's how Lamumba got me. Because it's one thing to to have a relationship with a man, but I partnered with his family, mm -hmm. and it was this house on Clement Street mm -hmm. that let me know that I was I was involved with a family whom I grew to love, and that's why we say we're sisters. Right. People still try to figure it out when Vicky say that's my sister mm -hmm. because we really embrace each other as family, and it starts right here on Clement Street yeah, in Detroit. Yes. Well, <laughs> in the world of like I say, a lot of things is like uh, I love pop culture. Mm -hmm. It's like Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid. <laughs> you inherited not only your mates in a husband yes. but a production assistant for all types of creative things <laughs> and guess who was the first person i think to put mm -hmm. my big cousin lamumba mm -hmm. who like really is like you know people's like how do you how, how did you want to do all this lamumba made all this stuff cool because it's like you go down in uh the basement on marlo and right like, wow mm -hmm. this is amazing mm -hmm. and, like mm -hmm. th what i have set up is like like inklings of like a lot of stuff that he did right but the person to put him through the ringer when it comes to production is right to your rights mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. my, i forget about that sometimes lamumba tells the story and reminds people i really kind of forget about it mm -hmm. yes and you challenged even yeah. in uh in the and, and lamumba's always been a very strong perfectionist like mm -hmm. to yes. a t like he yeah. doesn't even like doing stuff unless it's perfect right mm -hmm. he doesn't like I'm flying at the whim mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it's like it's not ready you'll just wait right. we're gonna work mm -hmm. we're gonna get the right people and i think a lot of that has to do with Mm -hmm. My big cousin Vicky, mm -hmm. and she launched mm -hmm. in in true creativity of our family. Like yeah. she was like, okay, I was in a beauty pageant. Mm -hmm. I can do this better, and it should yeah. be all black. Right. And like unprecedented, <laughs> like no. When you talk about like no, um, you know, like no sponsor, no, right, right. no, Just no, like it. Uh, mm -hmm. it was no cotillion ball. Mm -mm. Uh, giving you like the the green green light, no no divine nine group, no supporting it out of nowhere. Yeah, you built a beauty pageant 
where you had your family, especially mm-hmm. your brother, mm-hmm. become the coordinator of mm-hmm. a lot of production. Mm-hmm. And Miss Black Star Pageant, which yes. launched and gave so much confidence to so many young black yes. women, mm-hmm. over time as I think about it, and it hits me more as I interact with so many uh, grown women, young women, but especially young women when we think about confidence and what mm-hmm. their idea of what beauty is mm-hmm. and what that means. Right and how creative they were and and i always say lamumba had a tough job because if anybody has seen like even any of those like high school productions where it's like a needle drop like okay so the first 15 seconds you're gonna play this song and the next 15 seconds i'm gonna change the dance move i'm gonna do this then the lights go out it's like hey man you got like three minutes right right <laughs> but lamumba made it happen mm-hmm. yes talk a little bit about miss black star pageant what came about what's the story i got lamumba's side but what's your mm-hmm. side Okay, so um, I was 18, like almost unbelievable there. And I had been in a few pageants, and there were so many different things that I felt could have been better about the ones that I had been in. And I was telling my mom about it one day. She says, well, if you know so much, then you do your own. I went, okay. Classic big mom. Classic. <laughs> See, exactly. If you know so much to do your own. I said, you know what? I can do that. I can figure it out. I can make this happen. And so I decided that I was going to make it happen and uh, for teenagers in Detroit, 14 to 18 years old. And understand, this is before Facebook, before Twitter, before mm-hmm. social media. I would print flyers and posters, and uh, I went from to, into every high school in Detroit. At the time, it was 30 of them. This was before charters. And... Um, when all of them like, were open. And you were like mm-hmm. fresh out of high school too. You know how intimidating school. it is for like an eighteen year old to stand yeah. in front of other eighteen year olds and say, Hey, hey anything. Hey. <laughs> right. Like oh, hey, you, you can do this. You can do this. Mm-hmm. I handed out flyers and put up posters and went to every took three days and went to every school and recruited. But um, the bottom line is, is what we've always known in our family is you use your resources and you use the people who are who are close to you, the people you know who you trust. And that's the people that you get to do things with you and for you. And if I was 18, that means Lamumba was 13. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Because I'm five years older than him. Mm-hmm. So he was 13 years old. And the first year he was the um, the DJ for, because he was always messing around with it and doing things with it. But, you know, he was the DJ for our rehearsals. Okay. And somebody else actually did the show that very first year. Well, the next year, early on, I believe I learned that that person was going to be available. And I said, well, you know what? I'm not going to look for somebody else. I'm not pay anybody else. It doesn't make any sense. I said, you're going to do it. He said, what? I said, you're going to do it. He said, but I don't. I said, you're going to do it. But I don't know what to do. You're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. You're going to do it. You're going to do the music. You're going to do all of it. You're going to be responsible for everything as it relates to sound. You do it, and you're going to figure out how to make sure that it, it, it goes right and it goes well. And he said, okay. It was like he wasn't given a choice. Mm-hmm. I, I just wouldn't give him a choice. And there was a guy who used to work at Wayne State. His name was Wayne. Yeah. Forget yeah. Wayne State. <laughs> Wayne State. I'm like, you, this is Wayne. Right. At Wayne State, who was in charge of the lights. And he uh, taught Lamuva a lot of stuff. And the two of them worked together. Mm-hmm. And between the two of them, they did all the lights and sound. And they did an absolutely fantastic job. And that's what kind of gave him uh, his push. And we did that for 11 years before I decided that it was enough, that I, I, I wanted to, uh, to stop doing it. It wasn't, the way that I did it made it very successful, but not very profitable. And so it wasn't a job job. 
And because I knew I wanted to impact teenagers' lives in some way, I'm like, I got to do this a different way. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out after that what it was that I needed to do. And I, I stopped doing it. But we, we went out on top. We never stopped because it was not doing well. It was doing well the last year that we did it. And you have many people that have gone on from Miss Black Star to do professional. You had Kenya yes. Moore, Antonia, yes. who was Miss Michigan. Yes. I mean, just name a few. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> my, no, interview, my interview right. skills. Oh yeah, yeah. Lots of people. As yeah. I say, my big homie right. Myra. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she's like, uh, you know, it's like Mario and Super Mario. <laughs> no, that's true. It, and, and it's not. It's not just. Um, the people who quotes did big things. I've even had a lot of people tell me, uh, young ladies tell me after that, and even to the day, some of them find me right. on Facebook or whatever, they say, um, that really helped me develop my uh, speaking ability, my, to not have fear when I was talking to people, to, to, you know, to be strong when I'm, you know, um, interviewing. And so I believe I got the scholarship that I got, you know, based on the skills that I got there, that I had confidence in myself based on the things that I learned in the pageant. So, um, yeah, people that went on to other great pageants and, 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 and well-known people, but also just instilling that confidence uh, in, in young ladies to know that they, they deserve to be heard. They can stand in front of people and, you know, mm-hmm, do their thing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. both of you uh, definitely have been successful in this, but you were, this has always been phenomenal to me as the older I get, just knowing mm-hmm. the way you went about it. It's almost like you didn't even realize that Failure was an option, A. And B, how accountable you held everyone that was involved in this production, including the contestants. Absolutely, Uh, yeah. uh, Your sister Mary, I remember some of this, like sitting in some of those uh, rehearsals because my Mm -hmm. mom would drop us off. Mm -hmm. We'd just be sitting in the back playing with toys and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Mary would be like, look, you got to sell your, like, this is real grassroots. Mm -hmm. Every contestant had to sell a certain amount of ads in the Mm -hmm. book. Yeah business card ads yes. and Mary was uh, definitely not going to accept mm-hmm. people don't want to buy right so mm-hmm. these are teenagers mm-hmm. basically another teenager saying mm-hmm. like look you can go out there because Mary's you can make eight it years younger than you exactly <laughs> yep that's right mm-hmm. so explain a little bit about just the the blind faith that you knew that the contestants would have that ability and that you were giving them something because I'm sure it, it could have been a, another pageant they could have gone to and just paid all the money themselves, like had mm-hmm. their parents pay and just did it that way. Right, yeah. No, I, I, I didn't want it to be um, cost prohibitive for uh, young ladies, particularly, um, well, most of all of them came from Detroit, but not all of them. We had uh, some far away as Benton Harbor and stuff who would come in. But um it was a 20 initially anyway it was a 20 dollars entrance fee which obviously is absolutely nothing but that was just to basically show faith and to get us started every year so we have um a place to rehearse and they had to sell advertisements they got a few free tickets and then they had to sell uh, other tickets but advertisements came from businesses but they also came from family members Mm -hmm. you can find people who will support you when you're doing what's right and that was what I would always tell them. If you're doing what's right, you will find people that will support you. Right. You ask everybody, including and especially, because my, my spiel to them was, you ask that, that, that where you spend your money all the time, that's who you ask. Mm-hmm. You go to that corner store and you spend your dollar or $2, you know, every other day, that's the person you date. They have a business card. 
right? That, that cleaners that your family uses, that grocery store that you always go to, your church family, your neighbors, people will support you when you are doing what's right. And that's what, how you need to incorporate that in what you say to people. I'm doing what's right and I need for you, I need your help. Right. I, you know, I, I'm not asking for bail money. I'm, I'm, right? I'm asking for, I'm asking you to support something positive and you figure out how to say that and how to present that to your family members, your friends, the places where you do business and people will believe you and support you. Support you. That's how I got people to support the pageant itself mm -hmm. because I had to go to Wayne State University because we had it at McGregor Memorial right. Auditorium every year and we got it at a, a great discount. I had to find places for us to have rehearsals mm -hmm. and, I, and we couldn't afford to spend a lot of money on that either. Um, I had to find, uh, oh, a printer. Mm -hmm. that was um, going to work with us and give us good deals. I did the typesetting myself. And again, this is before computers. I was doing all this right. by hand right. to save money for it. So I did that, all okay, of that explain myself. explain a little bit <laughs> of what that is for everybody. To everybody Google knowing it. what that is. It's like, it's like they're wondering, like, what, what is this? Right. Basically, it's right. like laying out, well, break it yes. down. No, yeah, it, that's... <laughs> It's, um, there used to be an art supply store. It's not, it's, I don't know what's there. Well, it's some little flower bed or something right now, right on the corner of Warren and Woodward. There used to be a Blix, I think it was called, or somebody, an art supply place. And they actually had sheets of like lettering. And you would have to cut the sheets out with like an exacto blade, the letters. Like if I wanted to spell out somebody's name, I'd have to lay it one letter at a time. So I, I had this blue grid cardboard. And every ad that somebody, they would just write it out by hand. So they'd write out by hand, good luck, Stacy, love mom and dad. I would have to then cut out each one of the letters of that individually and place it on this board and center it and all that kind of stuff. Again, I said this is before computers where you could do anything like this. No computers, as a matter of fact. And um, yeah, it took me a long time. It took me hours and hours and hours a day because of what I did was I went to the printer with everything camera ready is what it was called and that was to save money. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I turned all that stuff over to a printer, it would have cost me hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars more. So I did everything that I could do and everything that my family could do mm -hmm. or that I could teach them how to do, we did. And including that, the, the people at the door, my yes. dad was a tabulator. Yes. My dad even talks about that. He was like, yeah, I would show Vicky the tabulation. And then that made me say, okay, she probably can end up working with me in, in, in some of the business. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. So your dad, as an accountant, I said, hey, he's an accountant. He can do this and he's good with computers. He has set up which, a database to be able to tabulate the which, scores. Which also goes against most, most ethics of most of these contests that people think where it's just like, ah, just give it to her. Right, right, <laughs> no. right. Yeah, no, we didn't play. And that. they had to have a talent. They had to have a talent. Mm -hmm. They had um, speaking, speaking ability, the interviews, the swim, the swimsuit, the um, which was for poise more than anything. I always stressed that it was not a beauty pageant. Um, that it was based on uh, grace and um, and and confidence and um, ability to present oneself very well. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that's in talent, or in, in even in walking in the evening gown, just being graceful, being you know um, lovely more so than the idea of being beautiful but again everybody in the family did mother dear worked the door mm -hmm. right my grandmother worked the door um mm -hmm. taking tickets um no matter everybody had a job i don't care how young or how old everybody had a job in the family um my mom i think worked the door with mother dear i believe mm -hmm. um i had dressing room supervisors with my cousins i know my mom set up a lot of the oh your mom was the flowers yeah your mom was our florist yeah your mom was our florist she did the the bouquets and everything mm -hmm. for 
Yeah, we, I mean, we pretty much did everything. Uh, only a few places did we contract somebody else to do it. As, you know, we didn't, we didn't have anybody in the family who knew how to make trophies, so <laughs> yeah, we used Spike Lawrence for that, right? right. <laughs> if, if, trust me, if my cousin would have kept doing that, she'd have been trophy making okay. <laughs> in about two more years. See, <laughs> we'd have figured that out because that was kind of a big expense. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so it's uh, – this is pretty much it. Now, now, as we talk about this, and I, I definitely want to like green light. I've talked to Lamumba. We got to figure out how to document, like a documentary. I just want to see some of those old pageant books and just in mm-hmm. some of the video. We got to figure that out. But as you look at today, mm-hmm. and you are a teacher at Cast Tech, mm-hmm. and, and you're aware, and you're you're in social media too, and just the imagery of young women and the stress that goes on yeah. with that, and you look back and you think of that. What do you? Th- what do you think just the, the, the value of learning the gracefulness, learning the value of what beauty is, means to a young, a young woman in that teenage development? That's interesting because I, I think the dynamic has is, is, definitely changed over the years. And um, grace is not a word that I think you even hear teenagers use. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not something that I think is in the forefront of their mind. It, mm-hmm. It's something that's a part of their lives now. The idea of being graceful, the mm-hmm. idea of being a lady or being a young lady at the risk of sounding like I'm some old lady. Right. You know what I mean? Cause the, 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 but that's the reality of it. Um, social media and music um, have changed the way, I, like, I, could, I could not have imagined where we be now. Like mm-hmm. with the level of, um, I don't know. I, I, again, at the risk of sounding like an old lady, I, I don't want to be prudish or sound prudish. And I know that things change, and so I'm with that. But some things, I think they're, they're, they're board, they border on sad, like the desperate like cry for attention or the things that some young ladies go through that they believe that they need to do or they need to be or they need to have rather than mm-hmm. um, other avenues like education and, you know, um, mm-hmm. Talent. Or even natural, or even, um, I mean, th- fortunately, there's a shift now. There's a movement back towards natural. But you that think about with. all the, you know, because we have several books at the house. Um, there was no, people weren't wearing weaves. Mm-hmm. People weren't wearing wigs. They were wearing their natural hair. So mm-hmm. they may have been getting a press and curl. They may have been changing the, maybe um, how to manage the hair. Mm-hmm. But pretty much it was, you came as you were, and mm-hmm. then you... You worked on making that your best self, putting mm-hmm. your best self forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you didn't have, like I said, the weave and, and things that, I mean, I think that was even, we started teaching in 98 and 99. Mm-hmm. I think it was in public school that got me used to that coming from Aisha Shule, no, where we promoted yeah. natural hair and so mm-hmm. forth. So, I mean, it's been a, like 20 years of this now. Mm-hmm. It's very different from when you did it. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is. It, it's different. And on the... On the flip side of that, mm-hmm. when I talk about creativity, you're in a whole nother realm when we think about young women and their development, uh, young men too, but especially mm-hmm. like just in the same realm of you spent your life performing as a dancer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a realm of, and dance was definitely in Miss Black Star, but mm-hmm. choreography, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the performance of it, uh, the imagery and building the confidence of young women. And like it's such a movement like even the youth 
program I'm working with kids now. Mm-hmm, They're doing like mm-hmm. a whole dance routine. It's like dancing has come back as a phenomenon now. Right. God right. knows who's making these dances to every song. I don't even know what it is. It's like it's like yeah, I'm about to do the arm say. Right, right, right. It's like what is the arm sling? Right. You know. (laughs) So like, what was that like for you, being a dancer at a young age? Mm -hmm. And and what did that mean to you to get on a stage and perform through dance? Wow. Well, first I have to give credit to two people, Uh, Miss Akeem, the English teacher at Volbia Middle School. She taught English during the day and after school she taught dance and she was very strict and she would talk to us about standing up straight and using you know grammar correctly right and so she was she was she was molding us and we couldn't put you know back then you used to want to put a comb in your hair Mm -hmm. remember that you just Mm -hmm. stick the comb in your hair Mm -hmm. Miss Akeem was like, let me catch a comb in your hair and see Mm -hmm. what happened right she was she was and so she kind of she kind of got me into the transformation part right like sitting up straight and then everyone calls you stuck up. And it's like, I'm really cool people, but Miss Akeem told me to sit up straight. And then Festival for the Performing Arts with Kim Weston. Mm-hmm. And Clifford Fierce had just come back from a tour with Katherine Dunham. And you had Sundiata Omausi and Ron Milner. And I literally, I literally, that's why it's so funny that Lumumba was 13. Mm-hmm. While these, this was years apart, at 13, I showed up to Northwest Activity Center I signed in every day. I danced all day. I took acting classes. I took voice Mm. classes. I was in love. I had found my tribe. And I didn't know that everyone was getting paid except me. I was too young. And I hadn't gone through the summer school, the summer Mm. work process, right? When Kim Weston found out, who is Lisa Waterman? This child signs in every day. (laughs) And she's not getting paid. And that's when, and she took me under her wings because it's like, who does that? Mm -hmm. I was in love. Dance saved my life. I'm a very, I probably had ADD. I probably have, I'm a kinesthetic learner. I need to move and that's how I take in information. And learning to dance and doing Dunham dance in particular, which was very rooted in African uh, aesthetic set my life on fire and it saved me it kept me from doing a whole a whole lot of things that was going on in my neighborhood that I could have got involved in that I didn't so I was a kid at middle school that stayed after uh for dance rehearsal so all those fights that I used to you know people used to see me in, in school used to be like three o'clock <laughs> so I, I I avoided a lot of that because I was mm-hmm. in dance practice mm-hmm. same thing uh um, festival for the performing arts then I went to Mumford and I met Miss Rowland and I told her so dance really shaped my life and as an adult people tried to make me feel that dance was frivolous mm. you know that's just something you do and so I spent my 20s doing everything else but that mm. and so mm. I was so glad that when I came to myself after an illness and I decided I would never do anything that wasn't right for me that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Then when I went back to Mary Grove College, I majored in dance and I was mm-hmm. in my 30s and I was in there talking about plie, yes, mm-hmm. honey, because mm-hmm. I'm going to be me. And it has served me well. So dance informs yes. how I learn. Mm-hmm. So even, we, you know, we were honor students at, at Mary Grove mm-hmm. College. Mm-hmm. I had an A in literature. I had an A in, in math. Well, I struggled in math, but I still got an A. Mm-hmm. I had an A <laughs> in, you know, science. Mm-hmm. And the literature teacher, remember Vicky, because Vicky mm-hmm. was an English major. And her mm-hmm. teacher was like, oh, yes, two sisters. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're going to major in English? I was like, no, no, I'm a dance major. She looked at me. 
And she said, well, surely your minor is English. I said, mm-hmm. well, no, it's humanities because I want to go to Africa. Girl, she walked away from me in the middle of my sentence. <laughs> she was like, all oh, that brilliance going to waste. And it's like, no, no. this is mm-hmm. how I'm brilliant. Exactly. exactly. And that's why I, I touch those kids that a lot of people can't reach because it's not if you're brilliant. It's how you're brilliant. Yeah. And all the stuff that oh, I, I know, that. all the stuff that I do, all the lectures that I can teach on mi- a myriad of subjects, it came from me as a dancer investigating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I investigate with my body. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, in in that early age, just mm-hmm. just being on stage. Oh my God! What do you remember? Like your first performance? Were you nervous? Were you not nervous? Were you like just eager to get on stage? Yes. Let me tell you, I was nervous, and there was this part that's going to be in my book where I was about to dance at the festival for the arts. We used to have festivals downtown, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was going to dance to Jennifer Holiday, and I'm telling you. And I was ready, right? I was standing, I was shaking, I was nervous. And somebody said, what that white girl going to do? Uh-oh. So that kind of hurt my feelings. Uh-huh. I went out there and I danced so hard. The whole crowd went crazy. I won first place. Wow. When mm-hmm. I would dance, I could be mad. I could have gotten in an argument. I could have, because I was real mouthy. But when I got on that stage, mm-hmm. I was, I was, it was like heaven. And it mm-hmm. still is. When I take Lisa mm-hmm. McCall's dance class, it's like no matter what's going on in my life, I'm just into an I'm in another zone. Mm-hmm. And so I remember doing the um, Dunham dances with Cooper Fears. I was a principal dancer and I would dance so hard and I would be in such a zone that after the dance, I would have to lay out. That's why when the kids do that, you know, at the mm-hmm. school and the kids, do this, they be like, oh, Miss Reynolds, Miss I said, don't worry about her. She all right. Mm-hmm. And so they're like. Wondering why am I so calm? Mm-hmm. Because that used to be me, mm-hmm. right? I just gave it all on the dance floor, but it it just was, it was reciprocal. Every everything that I gave, it it came back to me. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. when when we think about that, and then a, a more, you know, knowing more of your family's background mm-hmm. and their ties to Detroit, and it's it's historic, um, but definitely way more business, mm-hmm. not as as creative. Right, what was right. it like the first time you got to perform? your family got to see oh (laughs) that's interesting because they didn't really come a lot it was almost like yeah that's something she does and then i think finally they came to something and it was like oh oh no she actually talented you know (laughs) because it was it it was a business model right so the Mm -hmm. arts weren't really promoted but neither was religion you know my family uh once they moved from Edward to the to the northwest side and i was born they were like well we made it to the you know to the What's it called? We made it when the Jeffersons. Moving on up. We moved on up, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I went to vacation Bible school with a neighbor. And then I just fell in love with church. I I loved everything about it. And it's probably, I'm not taking anything away from my religious rootedness, but it was probably the artistry of it, right? Mm -hmm. The singing, the, Mm -hmm. the, the shouting, which is dancing, right? The preaching, the cadence of black preachers, all of that just turn my I mean it just my light bulb went off mm-hmm. and so I would get up every Sunday and go around the corner and go to church with a neighbor my mm-hmm. parents didn't go to church they weren't really into the arts they didn't discourage me they let me do it mm-hmm. but they were like eh, yeah that's something she does and then when they saw me it was like oh she <laughs> she actually talented you know mm-hmm. so then they were supportive or people would see my mother and say Oh, I saw your daughter on the scene. You know, I was on the scene, or I was at a festival. I didn't know you were on the scene. Oh, I was on the scene. <laughs> okay, wait. Let's, let's, uh, wait, okay. time out, time out. For people listening, 
as you know, I've interviewed right. Henry Tyler. Okay. But oh, okay. The great Nat the Morris great. will no. soon be. Yes. Right. Will soon be on Detroit is different. Right. And right. RJ. But uh, <laughs> but the scene mm-hmm. was it's so funny. I'm telling the, the kids like we're we're trying to they're trying to choreograph like what they'll do to shoot and, right. and where things are. The scene was intense, especially yes. when intense. when when Henry Tyler was like, "Yeah, man, people would be standing outside for hours <laughs> trying to yes. make, make the right. cut." I'm like, "For, for real? For real?" Yes. He was like, "For, for real. real?" And it, and people would just be fighting just to get basically like yes. forty five seconds on camera. <laughs> yeah, the scene was the local version of Soul, Soul Train. Train. Yeah, uh-huh. and but it was local and everybody knew every everybody watched it and anybody everybody knew, watched. They the saw scene. you on there. They tell you this. Like, hey, that's famous. what. Hey, that gave Fast Freddie his break. Who's still right. dancing yeah. today? He, right? he sure is. Yes, Fast Freddie still dancing sure today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that game was great. Freddy. They went to different schools. I remember they mm-hmm. came to each school. There would be a, a Cooley Day and a Redford Day and a Hemford Day Mumford and a you know, Mumford Day. Right. And a, yeah, that they went to each one of the schools and whatever. But I, yeah, I don't know you on there. Mm-hmm. That's good. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, so like all, all of this kind of coming together. Let's talk a little bit about your family's background in business because okay. um, the ties. Like what. I guess you can give some of the background. What, okay, so where are your grand- family, where where are they originally from? Right. How did they come up to Detroit? Oh, wow. Well, this is what I know. And my my family watching may correct me. It's very few of us. There's very few Watermans left. So my grandfather and his wife, his wife was uh, biracial. That's a word we use now. That was not a word used back then. So she was probably half enslaved African and half owner. I'm mm-hmm. just, you know... Because mm-hmm. my dad would have been 100 this year. So you've mm-hmm. got to think his parents were 120, 130. Actually, 30. So my grandfather and his wife moved to Michigan, to Detroit, Michigan, from Virginia. They had four children. Apparently, one died young. So my dad was the youngest. Homer Jr., uh, I mean, Homer Sr. was the middle child, and Lee was the oldest. My grandfather was tall, dark, and handsome. Oh, mm-hmm. that's my first love because he lived with us as a child. He started Waterman and Sons Printing Company. Mm-hmm. So when he would deliver the papers or deliver the printing, people thought he was the delivery guy. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay, cool, just make the check out to Waterman, <laughs> right. right? But he was Waterman. His original name was Nobles. He changed it to Waterman once he moved to Michigan. What I understand is whatever business he had down south, the Ku Klux Klan burned it down and then he moved up here. Mm-hmm. Um, his, my father's mother died when he was young. But he was born in 1918 in Detroit, Michigan, in the Booster Projects, mm. the same time as Coleman Young. So they grew up together in that area. They were called the Booster Old Timers. Mm. And because my parents had me very late in life, my siblings were adults, I used to go with them to the Booster Old Timers functions at, at the Minugia Mansion with Coleman Young. Mm-hmm. And I would be the only kid there because my parents had kids at 45 and 37, <laughs> and everybody else's kids were grown. Mm-hmm. So. My dad grew up in the Booster Projects. He uh, worked in the printing company for a minute. He did Chrysler for about five minutes, and he realized that wasn't for him. He had a restaurant on Vinewood and Linwood and until I was five, and that's when the riots occurred or the mm-hmm. uprising, the rebellion, mm-hmm. whichever side of history you're on. Mm-hmm. And we never went back. We went down the street that day, and it was on fire. And I remember some a woman coming to the car and she said, Shug, that's what I call my dad, Shug or Buddy. Shug, don't worry, we got it. They were protecting some of the black-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it, everything got out of hand, so even they were damaged. 
-hmm. We never went back to the restaurant. He then got his real estate license and became a broker. Motown Realty was his business. He helped many families be the first black family on the block. Back then, that was called block, bust, mm -hmm. block busting. Mm -hmm. And I remember many arguments my parents would have. Um, my dad would uh, forfeit his commission to help a family mm -hmm. have their down payment or the moving cost. And he was just a real cool, laid-back dude most of the time. I mean, he could pop off because he used to be a boxer. Mm -hmm. So he was, a, he was a Joe Lewis Brown bomber. Uh, he, I got pictures of him, you know, in the silk uh, robe and his shorts, you know. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, before my mother, he was a womanizer. He had several wives and uh, other children. But by the time I was born, we were all one big happy family. But mm -hmm. I didn't know they had different mamas and <laughs> was born in the same year. I didn't know all that drama. <laughs> but, but Get my twins. <laughs> yes. Get old twins. Get old twins. <laughs> and, uh, but my dad was a businessman. Um, his father was a businessman. My uncle's ran Waterman and Son Printing Company until my uncle Homer uh, died in 19... No, I was pregnant with Khalifa, 2000, probably about 2000, late 2000. And then his sons run it, which are Homer Jr. and Billy. And my cousin Billy, who was 81, recently passed away. So that Waterman and Son legacy is my family. Motown Realty. Uh, one brother became a lawyer and then a judge. And so 50th District Court is named after him. And his wife got into politics after being a doctor for 40 years, and she's now the mayor of Pontiac, uh, which will be very interesting for my brother. But he was very, um, very much like my dad. I mean, very laid back, cool, but he did have a temper if he, if he popped off. You know, it mm -hmm. just didn't pop off with me, but I've seen it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I come from a family of uh, entrepreneurs. That's why. You know, when Lumumba decided he wanted to strike out on his own in 99, that was, a, that was organic for me because mm -hmm. I grew up in a household where owning your own business is a part of what you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> with this vision, um, and, and we're giving the background, another thing that I, I do tip my hat to both of you all, and I've done it even in my own journey, but I saw you all do it first. Mm -hmm. Going to college when you're the oldest kid in the class and getting well. back in school. Mm -hmm. And it's a journey. Like, I run into people all the time that say, like, I don't know. I'm going to be the one person. And it's like, look, man, I think sometimes that may be the better journey because yep. you'll yes. focus mm -hmm. and you're going to pay attention. And Mary Grove was one of the institutions yes. that wrapped its arms around uh, also Mary, my, yeah. my other cousin, mm -hmm. and many other young black women mm -hmm. that were like okay i'm about to get back in the school journey mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm gonna balance out having my children i'm gonna have mm -hmm. my family i'm gonna get you know get this degree out i'm still right. gonna be working in that journey balanced out at mary grove right what was your mary grove journey like for both of you all in school and i, <laughs> I know it was this. like a big three right. because it was like all three, three. Yeah. Okay, on campus. So. it was like oh it was a tornado oh mm -hmm. yes it was but hey, let me tell you something car you probably, you probably don't know like maybe any of this story to be honest with you okay so i thought about this just a little earlier when we talked about like it's almost the audacity or the nerve to believe that you're gonna do what it is that you set out to do mm -hmm. uh -huh. and i i believe that and, and audacity is often considered to be a, a negative connotatively, mm -hmm. but no, we have to have it. It's mm -hmm. like, it's like uh, Barack Obama's with the audacity of hope. Mm -hmm. Like how dare you mm -hmm. have hope? Well, that's what it was that we did the same, the same way in which I approached the pageant is the same way that I approached school. 
It was the same exact way. So let me mm-hmm. tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you how much I did not know. This is the honest goodness truth. So first of all, I had dropped out of high school. I got my GED when I was 18. I hadn't thought anything about school. Now I'm 30 something at the time 32 33 32 33 Mm -hmm. i had two kids single mom and i decided look i've been putting this off after i stopped the pageant for several years i've been doing i had so many jobs i got so many certificates (laughs) man i could shuffle them and deal them out a bartender's license data entry special i got all kinds of certificates and finally i said look what i've always wanted to do what i've always needed to do is to be impactful in the lives of teens and what best way to do that than to be a high school teacher so i decided i wanted to teach high school and that ultimately i wanted to be the kind of teacher that i wish i had and that was the goal mm-hmm. that i set for myself to become the kind of teacher i wish i had i didn't know where i was going to teach i didn't know how any of this was going to work but let me tell you i walked into mary Grove college one day because it was nearby mm-hmm. and i had seen it it was really pretty right my um, ex-boyfriend's family lived nearby there, and so we passed there a couple of times when I was a teenager. And he told me his mom was an adjunct professor in there, which I didn't even know what that meant. But I'm like, wow, that's really a cool-looking place. Mm-hmm. So when I decided to go to college, I rolled up in Marygrove because hmm. it looked so cool and it looked right. so peaceful. It, when I drove onto the campus, I would always cut my radio down because I felt like that's something you should do. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a reverence for the beauty, beauty of the place. So anyway... I, I go to the office and I say, okay, well, um, I want to I want to enroll. I didn't know that you didn't do this. I had right. no idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. The audacity, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So they said, you want to enroll? I'm like, yeah, I, I want to sign up and go to go to college. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm so yes. serious. All of your all of your certifications, as as she was saying, like right. like those those commercials you see where you can be this and you see, can be that. Like that's why I thought I was like, hey, right, right, right. Well, that, hey, let's that's what I'm schooling here. Yeah, hey, you sitting on the couch, you ain't doing that. Come <laughs> right. on, come on to Mary Grove. I'm like, I never saw Mary Grove in one of those commercials, but that's how I treated it. Mm-hmm. And so they sat me down with the a counselor. Says, "Well, you know, you have you have a GED. I said, don't have a, a high school diploma." They said, "What about?" standardized testing scores, ACT, blah, 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 blah. I was like, well, I don't, I don't have any of that. I said, look, they said, go to WC3, mm-hmm. go to community college, get mm-hmm. good grades, and you come back and see us. Mm-hmm. I went to WC3. I signed up for five classes. I was yep. working full-time. I signed up for five classes or four classes, one or two, I think maybe, four, I don't know, full full load. Full load mm-hmm. yeah. I got four A's. Mm-hmm. I walked back into Mary Grove the next semester and said, here you go. They were like, what are you see? Like, look, that's what you told me to do. They didn't think I would, though. Right. Yes. That's what you told me I had to do to go here. I want to go here. I didn't want to go to WC3. Yep. But I went there because you told me I had to do that first. Mm-hmm. I signed up. They said, okay, we got you. They signed me up and, 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 and got me <laughs> going. The, and I said, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can be 30-something years old. I don't care. Which I didn't even know at the time that the average age of students at Mary Grove was 33. I yeah. didn't even know that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just knew that, that was the place. They, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. They had, they had made that for themselves and should have stuck to it. Should've they probably would it. still have their undergraduate program. It's well, gone not, now. Mm-hmm. And I'm so mad at them about that because they right. tried to change the dynamic and they shouldn't have done yes. it. Yes. Uh, I mean, gentrify it. Mary mm-hmm. Grove and Wayne State right. actually mm-hmm. it, 80s and 90s like but especially like the 90s at Marygrove mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Wayne State I remember specifically being like okay if you're if you're going back to school quote right. unquote like with that right. label in your mind I'm a kid so they'd say like if you're going back to school you probably end up there right, mm-hmm. it, right. it's not like the campus like it's not a different world exactly right like, right absolutely no, it's cool it's no it's, it's no yes. it's no TV show because right. it's boring no, no sports teams right. 
No yeah, sports teams. Right. No, just school. Go to school. Yes, people so, in school, going to class. And it was quality, 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 quality education. education mm-hmm. Yes, but not all that other stuff. And so I signed up one semester, <laughs> and I got going. Mm-hmm. My sister Mary said, well, shoot, if she can do it, I can do it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And she, she had a GED, too. Same thing. Mm-hmm. She signed up the next semester, so then it was two of us. Mm-hmm. And then Maya was said, well, shoot. If they can do it, I can do it. And she signed up the third That's semester. Right. So That's it was right. each semester mm-hmm. that, that one of us signed up. And mm-hmm. by that third semester, all three of us were going there. Yeah. And um, people marveled, you know, at us and, you know, the fact that we had several children together. And mm-hmm. we were interviewed once for, by the uh, campus newspaper. Um, and one of the quotes that they liked is that any one of us could start the day with uh, one car and two kids and end the day with no car and five kids. Right, right. You know, Whoever we, had the most transportation right. or the money to buy the food. Right. I mean, in Lumumba, was very supportive. Absolutely. And Big Mom, Big oh Mom. my goodness, everybody, very supportive. Mm-hmm. and very. I mean, to be honest with you, it, it's, it, it, I think it would have been next to impossible. And I don't believe in impossible. It would have been next to impossible to do it without the support system that we had. Mm-hmm. But we also all believed beyond a shadow of any doubt that we could do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 this is another part to the story because Vicky is absolutely right. She did it and Mary did it. And I was like, I always wanted to go back to college because I dropped out at Wayne State. I went mm-hmm. and I didn't know the way you're supposed to drop out is go to the people and tell them you're dropping out. I just quit going, so that, right? That means that so a had, bill. All, yeah. I had a bill <laughs> and I had all Fs right on my report card. Mm-hmm. So when I tried, this is a, um, I tried to enroll because, you know, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go too, right? Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go. And Lamont was like, yeah, you should go too, right? <laughs> and so I applied. And then the girl called my house to tell me, because of what happened at Wayne State, mm-hmm. that I wasn't eligible. Mm-hmm. Lamont picked up the phone. And she said, hi, this is Carla mm-hmm. from Mary Grove College. She was like, oh, my God, my, my wife is not here right now, but she is so excited about going back to college, and I'm so happy for her. Okay, can I take a message? She could not give him the message. Mm-hmm. She said it made her choke up that he was so excited for me. Mm-hmm. She went to the nuns because it was still a Catholic mm-hmm. school. She said, look, I have this candidate. Her transcript is messed up. What can we do? Mm-hmm. So they said, well, interview her and we'll see. So she called back. I talked to her. I said, look, I know what you've got on paper don't look good, but that's not me. That's a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Let me give you some letters of recommendation. I'm amazing. I'm, you know, I work at Aisha Shoelater. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay. She got something called the forgiveness clause. Mm-hmm. Now, I know they made this up, but they none, <laughs> so they could make it up, right? Yes, that's it's right. It's day school. Yes. Make up what they want. And she yes. said, and you're going to be on probation for your first semester, blah, blah, blah. I was like, bet you won't regret it. First semester, 4.0, I was like, booyah, mm-hmm. see you later. And so we always talked about mm-hmm. that, like how she was so impressed with how Lumumba was excited for me. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people go back to college and it's a struggle. Right. The people at home tell me, why are you studying? Why are you doing this? Yes. Da, da, da. And they're, they're, they're like swimming upstream because yes. it's already difficult enough. Yes. Right? And but we, we, we had, had, we like had everybody pushing us everybody. like, yeah. you know, yeah. it was amazing. And then, mm-hmm. and then that dynamic of, I mean, a couple things here. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a wife, mm-hmm. married to a black man, that definitely is not the uh, narrative generally painted when mm. we think about what that going back to school journey is uh-huh. and just being in school period 
mm-hmm. uh, as uh, the the ideas as much as you can speak to uh, the challenges America's definitely had with racism you speak just as much on sexism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in the box that so many women are put into yeah, well, Lumumba wasn't cut from that cloth. That, he wasn't. That, that's the thing. He <laughs> saw his mom mm-hmm. go back to school right. and mm-hmm. become a nurse as a young, mm-hmm. he was a young man. Mm-hmm. I was, I want to say I was driving because I, I remember dropping her off and picking her up a few times um, when she went to nursing school. So he was old enough, obviously, to right, right. have a, at least a, 10. a good, yeah, at least mm-hmm. 10 years old, mm-hmm. to have a, a good memory of her going back to school and making sure that she did well and graduated uh, Phi Beta Kappa and all that right. kind of stuff mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. became a nurse. And so that's, you know, that's what you do. And you support anybody who's trying to do well as far as um, educate themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I think that, yes, it, it should and, be that. And but the, the self-confidence, Kari, I'm yeah. sorry, the self-confidence, it's, I mean, it all goes back to Big Mind. I'm going to try yeah. to hold myself together. His mother ra- reared, mm-hmm. she sound raised, I reared a man mm-hmm who had an amazing relationship with her, but she didn't need a husband, right? Some people raise their sons to be their second husband. Mm-hmm. She raised him to be independent and strong and self-confident. That's why I used to say, my Big Ma, I love you so much. Because mm-hmm. if nothing else, your kids believe in themselves, right? Oh, yeah. And, and that's half <laughs> the battle. That's yes. half the battle while this, in this yes. society. And so when, when I when I put that against the backdrop of Lumumba went to Specs Howard, Mother Dear and Aunt Ruth, he because he'd been doing the pageant mm-hmm. since 13 he liked tinkering he liked video he liked radio he wanted to do radio at specs howard mother dear and uh, aunt ruth paid for him to go to specs howard and that's the extent of lumumba's quote-unquote formal education mm-hmm. he has taken he takes uh, uh professional developments all the time he's always looking at something and learning the newest thing technology wise he was on a Mac computer before people knew what that was mm-hmm. that little square funny looking computer with the apple on the side mm-hmm. he is the smartest person I know I mean mm-hmm. intellectually and otherwise organizational wise but he also has such confidence in himself that he could support me mm-hmm. getting my bachelor's and then my master's mm-hmm. and now my doctorate mm-hmm. and it's like it's the coolest thing ever I can't mm-hmm. even explain it that it's, it all goes back to his mom mm-hmm. because of whatever he sees in me that he saw in his mom that is like, no, this women should be should be supported and Absolutely. flourish Absolutely. in whatever way they can. And that's a part of your role yes. as a partner and a mate and a husband. And, yes. and, and then mm-hmm. during this time, and it's so mm-hmm. funny when we talk about the back to school journey, <laughs> you a, a miracle out of this, like every time I interact with, uh, <laughs> as I always talk about, <laughs> My little homie, it's like Khalifa, mm-hmm. your daughter. She just reminds me so much of me. It's like scary sometimes because it's like, yeah, ow. come get her. Ow. <laughs> it's like, ow. It's like, ow. Khalifa. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, right. like, it's like you see the, the, the phenomenal nature of like everything that can be. And it's like, boy, boy. Because if you go 100, it's so many opportunities. Right. Like, yeah. don't, you know, but um, like I was even <laughs> having this discussion with her. Like sometimes I would go. I would I would assess like uh is Khalifa's like, yep, that's exactly what I do. Like I would I would walk in a class, I'd say, All right, who's the smartest kid? And it's like, eh, as long as I stay with the pace of this person, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I told Khalifa, I'm like, I know you do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when you go to college, I was like, you have to start preparing yourself for cause she's heading for a senior year mm-hmm. beyond that. Because college, like, 
it, it's like going to the pros almost like right, like right, that right. that best student that you in high school mm-hmm. that's a whole nother level you're gonna oh, end yeah. up in college with somebody that's like oh man yeah. This person actually read the chapter. Yes. <laughs> so so it's like a, a higher level. But along with that, in that journey, your son, mm-hmm. uh, during this at Mary Grove, and Jabari is just a miracle right? It, to, to begin with. Mm-hmm. And him being back in school when we were talking. And I was like, yeah, it takes a different amount of patience, presence of mind, and just knocking it out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. seeing it and, and not just like, I guess, uh, the idea of like hanging out and, and, and wanting to be on campus and right. you know getting your getting your school uh, I guess swag they don't say gear anymore but like mm-hmm. your school swag and stuff it's like okay it's good to have a t-shirt or your school and all of that stuff but <laughs> you know it was the same thing like it was it was uh Kaylin I was like I didn't even know you graduated and I called my mom I was like do you want to do I'm like the only reason I walk is because you want me to walk I was like you want mm-hmm. me to walk because if not <laughs> I was like I got my diploma right. I packaged it up gave it to her and I was like, yeah, we're going to keep knocking this whole thing out. But <laughs> the, the, the idea of it and mm-hmm. watching Jabari, you all have set a precedent. Mm-hmm. Your daughter, Donna, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so much schooling. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that journey is going to continue. Oh, she's, yeah. a, she's on her PhD program, right? Yeah. yeah. She mm-hmm. just fin- mm-hmm. This weekend, she will be finishing her first semester of her yeah. PhD program. This being paid for by her job. And yeah. her master's mm-hmm. was paid. Her for master's paid for by her job too. And, yeah. and continuing that journey. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I know, I know, Devin doesn't see it, but he's definitely because, like I always say, it's like, mm-hmm. look, it's gonna be there. It just provides more opportunity. Oh, he knows. He knows he can do it if he it. wants to. Mm-hmm. And if he feels I, I, like he wants to or needs to, then he knows mm-hmm. that, that he can. He knows he right. can. That's the, it's not a question. Like so many young people don't know that they can. They don't recognize it as an option. And the thing about it is people say, well, is it mandatory? Is it necessary? Well, it depends on what it is that you want to do. Is Mm -hmm. it mandatory? No. There's lots of people who have, you know, great jobs and great careers and lives without it. But then depending on what it is that you want to do, it might um, be mandatory or it Mm -hmm. might be extremely helpful. Right. You Uh know, it's definitely if you want to be a master chef, then, yeah, going to the Cordon Bleu would you know, be a great thing if you, right. you know you want to be. Uh, uh, like, I think everybody that graduates from Juilliard's programs, you know, find work in in, in entertainment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Just by that mere fact. Now, a lot of people right. can find it without that, but you know, with that, of course, that's you know. Uh, right. I think and H B and, and even Howard uh, Bozeman, yeah. mm-hmm. he had a he has a great story of having a job as a in a in a soap opera, mm-hmm. and how he challenged the script. Like the second day, and then the guy asked him at the table, he said, well, so what college did you go to? He said, Howard. Mm-hmm. You know, and the next day they released him. Now, that was the best thing to happen to him, yeah, but he was like, that Howard education made him well But I wanted to go back to uh, what Vicky was saying. She wanted to make a difference in the lives of, of teenagers. Mm-hmm. And after grad, you know, doing her student teaching and then getting an opportunity to go to CAS, and she's been there since she's, you know, first started teaching. Mm-hmm countless and hundreds of students lives have been changed and they would never believe if she said oh no i dropped out of high school and got my ged and I went to community college. i know but it's like it's so amazing because they, sometimes like, they think no they think she's making it up but she gets to do her life's work and her joy that was a gateway to do this because because it didn't um 
it didn't change who you Vicky was already this person mm-hmm. those were just more tools mm-hmm. right and more credibility for who she already was right to give her the opportunity to be a cast to do the work that she does right because just like I said getting a certificate is something is one thing but but what I bring to the table in my person yes my intellect my mm-hmm. intellectual property my experience. way of being my sensibilities mm-hmm. my presence Nobody can teach you that. That's true. Well, that's I, absolutely true. Mm-hmm. When people talk about teaching um, classroom management, like a lot of my classroom management is not anything that I, it's not a bag of tricks No. that I but pulled out. It's just, trick. right, it's they like, want a trick. No, it's, no, it's just me and me. Right. It's just, I can't teach you to be me. It's like, I I don't I don't know how to say to tell people how to manage a classroom. I, I I'm there. They know they they always size you up first. Mm-hmm. They know I care. No matter what grade I'm teaching, if it's ninth grade or senior AP or whatever, they know I care. They know I'm there for them. Mm-hmm. They know it right away, and and, and that's enough. Mm-hmm. That's enough to you and know, you command. Have, and you've prepared, and you oh, have absolutely. great lessons, and you keep them engaged, yeah. and All you're funny. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah. Nah. But she is the teacher you yeah. always wish you had. Yeah. yeah. Now, now let's in in that, and mm-hmm. that's why I kind of I, I I want the people that that are watching this is this is going to be a part of my like back to school uh-huh. try these different stuff. Okay. Um, I do. My, my take is always. Um, you're exposed to different networks. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, for me, college put me in a position where it's like, okay, first off, I I, I do it 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 crystallizes that like, yeah, you you can't figure these systems out. You do have talent, you do have skill sets, mm-hmm. but it also opens up networks and it provides access to certain opportunities mm-hmm. that I'm not saying that you never would have gotten without it, mm-hmm. but it levels the playing field where in a class in in a college classroom, mm-hmm. you can be sitting next to I don't know, like you can be sitting next to people that have touched a lot of different systems mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and get a and get more of an intimate relationship over this course of a semester mm-hmm. than you ever would have gotten right if you were just like you know i mean bump into them at at the diner or something like if right. you bump into them at a yeah. store yeah. it's going to be hard to sit down and and talk to uh you know like mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah you know I, like a, I, yeah, a study group you get yeah. to know people yeah right. you know what they're made group. of mm-hmm. and and this is the question that I have in reference to that mm-hmm. with so much going on and both of you still in DPS mm-hmm. and there are certain things that could be controlled and can't be controlled just for the student. I'm talking directly to the student right now, not the mm-hmm. parent, mm-hmm. not the other teachers, mm-hmm. not the people that have a bunch of opinions, but don't have kids in school. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, right. What would you tell that student about preparing for the school year? where they have to where they should have their presence of mind so that they can truly get the value of the school year for themselves mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I tell my seniors so often is that they don't do enough to advocate for themselves um so the older ones i would say that they need to learn how to do that actually even younger ones as well but they need to pull people on board who will support them and stand up for them there's so many things that happen um as far as i'm concerned in in schools and in education in general particularly in the city of detroit that wouldn't happen other places just because of the Mm -hmm. dogmatic you know insistence of the people in the children's lives that they are 
handled well and treated well and you know given all the tools that they need and, and, and taken care of and so forth. We have people that do things in education and the way things are in education in Detroit that our kids accept and maybe it's because nobody has told them that they don't have to. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? They've yeah. never been told they don't have to. If, if if I'm supposed to have 38 kids, the most, first of all, that's too many. Too many kids. Right. But if I'm supposed to have 38 kids and there's 45 kids in my classroom for a month or two months and the kids don't even have chairs or they're sharing desks and whatnot, I'm telling you that wouldn't happen in other places because those kids would go home and they would tell their parents and their parents would be all up at the school and calling the council and the principal and everybody else would be called and held accountable mm -hmm. for taking care of those children. Our children, I think, in Detroit are too used to, well, this is just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Do you know Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. they, they, they just kind of accept things and just kind of learn to deal with it, which makes you resilient, which makes you be able to handle lots of things. But by the same token, some of those things they shouldn't have to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. it is, that's making sense to you. Mm -hmm. Overcrowded classrooms mm -hmm. or not enough supplies mm -hmm. or teachers, you know, who, who aren't, care, who don't care. We have them. Right. I, I, I couldn't be on the union, bless our union's heart. But I couldn't stand it with people who are not doing the job they're supposed to do. That's a whole nother story about right. whose fault that is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that it goes back to advocacy. The kids need to learn how to advocate, how to stand up for themselves and get people. And if it's not their parents, because so often parents are not prepared to do that either. It might have to be a grandparent. It might have to be an uncle, a godparent. It may need to be a neighbor. It needs to be somebody who can advocate for them. For the, the you know for the people who are not listening to the children about what it is that they need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and same question for you, Maya. Well, okay. What value should a student be preparing for to embrace this school year? I, two things came to mind immediately. One is intrinsic, intrinsic, mm -hmm. intrinsic, intrinsic. Mm -hmm. And the other one is sort of the Montessori model is interest, right? Because Montessori, the, the, young, the childhood model of Montessori is whatever young people have an interest in, they'll manipulate it and they'll advance it. And then what our goal and responsibility is to facilitate that learning because of their interest. I mm -hmm. truly believe that and that goes throughout life. Mm -hmm. But intrinsic learning means that you ask yourself the question, did you do your best? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and you, if, if, if children don't get anything else, Learning to do that means you've learned to be a learner. Yes. So when you ask yourself, was that my best? Because what, we've, what, we're, what we're training kids to do in some instances is they're doing the minimum. They're doing enough they're to get by. Doing. They're doing enough to shut you up. Mm -hmm. But they're not taking the time to say, was that my best? Because yeah. if it was your best, like Jabari struggled in math. And he would be up till 3 in the morning. I told Miss Gibson, I said, Miss Gibson, you're killing my kid. He up till 3 in the morning. And we found out he had a learning disability in math, but he was doing his best. Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing your best and it's still not an A, then you have a sense of pride and you can own that. Mm -hmm. But if you got a C and you were okay with that and you really didn't care, you didn't, that's not going to fly in the real world. Because when you leave these protective walls with all these teachers that care about you and all these people that want to donate to the school, and when you leave the, and come out to this real world, no one is going to care. 
you're the person that needs to care about your education, about what your interests are, about developing those interests, about meeting people that can take you to the next level. Mm -hmm. But you have to check in with you every day. Was that my best? And see, that's self-advocacy. Mm -hmm. That falls I right agree. back to mm -hmm. when I, that's yeah. under the umbrella of that. That's, right. That's <laughs> the fear of, like I say, with my, mm -hmm. with my homie. Because sometimes it's certain students like me and her that we can give half effort and get an A. Right. And we know we can get an A with half effort because we're assessing the rest of the classroom, mm -hmm. which is a skill set. But it never really truly challenges you to get the most out of the situation. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about the real world, it's sometimes it's easier like in in hiring someone or working with someone mm -hmm. it's easier to work with someone that has the attitude of 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 and presence of mind to give their full effort and it's mm -hmm. like okay i can work with this person and move them towards mm -hmm. getting mm -hmm. the aptitude right. than the person that lack you know lacklusterly is pulling out their cell phone head down mm -hmm. attitude it's like i don't even like this energy <laughs> even though i'm gonna get a seven out of this one person right i can turn this seven to a ten mm -hmm. i got a ten out of this one person but the attitude and the energy gives complacency towards everybody else being around mm -hmm. even though you're doing it easy well, and you're giving mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. what's needed it's not delivering to that point where it's like you are feeding into everything Mm -hmm. Now the attention needed Because that's what I generally think it is It's that every kid really just wants that attention Because they're starved for that attention mm -hmm. So it's like okay I, I'm challenging you And, and it's, it, Vicky pointed out the love And once they see that you care mm -hmm. And it's that's really honoring them with that attention mm -hmm. But They have to buy in Okay you already went right there. Right. You already they, went to they where have I was to buy going in. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it's an interesting thing because I even tell ninth graders this when I ask them, I'm, well, why are you here? And I'll ask them that early on. Well, I have to be here. I'm like, mm, not really. Well, yes, I do. Um, I have to be here. No, no, no. Why are you in school? Yeah. And um, I said the, what they realize in ninth grade is when they really realize this. And ninth grade is also the number one grade that they drop out in yeah. school. If you think of every grade, right, right, kindergarten, right. To 12th grade, ninth mm -hmm. grade, is it? it's mm -hmm. the number one grade where they drop out. And ask them, why are you here? Um, and it's because I have to be, because my mama made me. Because, you know, it very rarely, and like Maya would mention the intrinsic, very rarely do they say, well, I want to learn. Mm -hmm. Right, and they say I have to be here, but you you have to point out to them they really don't. They kind of know it on one level, but they haven't internalized it. Right, and I said you don't, you really don't have to be here. No, my mama would kill me. I said no, you've decided that you're going to be in this space because you don't want to deal with the consequences of not being in this space. But at any second that could change. Yeah. You could say I'll take the punishment. Mm -hmm. I'll risk getting yeah. caught mm -hmm. and i will skip and i won't be here because i don't see why i'm why i'm here mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and i would say cass mm -hmm. and you were at dsa for years those yes. are both schools mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. many a ninth graders start yeah, oh yeah. And don't make it to 10th right? oh yeah and right. i'm sure you run into a lot of those students probably oh, more than you run into the students that actually graduate listen probably I, every day <laughs> and they're like man i really wish yep i mm. hear that all the time mm. i and, and i always ask them what could i have said differently and what they always tell me is pretty much nothing that it right. was you know it was it was it was all in them so that means it has to be something that starts maybe even before earlier. the mm -hmm. earlier than mm -hmm. that time where they figure out what it is that's valuable about about school before somebody turned them off 
Right. And that that's what I'm 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 often um, fighting and dealing mm -hmm. with is that they've been turned off. And they're mm -hmm. still here because, again, they feel they have to be in ninth grade. You mm -hmm. know, my parent, I don't want to deal with, you know, hearing her fuss or cuss or having him go off on me or whatever mm -hmm. or get a whooping or whatever it is that happens to them in the form of punishment. Um, it's interesting because a lot of it is avoidance for punishment, not seeking reward or, you know. Right, right, right. right. That's another, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. another issue. Um, but, yeah, they, they, uh, our, our, our principal, Mr. Cohen, back in the day, used to have the saying, he's, at ninth grade orientation, he'd tell everybody, he said, look to your left and look to your right. One of those people will not be at graduation. And realize this, somebody looked at you. Right. right. So that, that's the reality of it because mm -hmm. a lot of them, you know, wouldn't make it past, uh, past the ninth grade. But, you know, ooh, you're talking about a big, giant issue in terms of what is it that causes them to be that way by the time they get there. Right. Oh, and I, I think gosh. I want to tap into that. Go ahead. Uh, someone's turned them off. Because yes. that's where I get the greatest joy. I mean, I love teaching. You know, my advanced kids are fabulous. They're just like, fabulous, mm -hmm. Alvin Ailey. But my ninth graders, cause I get not, because if you say performing arts, you get Ms. Reynolds, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to you about leotards and tights, and they're looking at me like, oh, this lady is crazy. I'm mm -hmm. not going to do it. And my challenge always is to find that kid that does it because they're told they like following the rules. They're totally, like, uncomfortable, apprehensive, not feeling it. And I say, give me till June. And in June, let's talk about it. You can say, Miss Reynolds, that sucked. That was the most horrible class I've ever had. I'm never taking it again. Or you can say, you know, I was uncomfortable, and I really didn't like it at first, but I've learned something new. Mm -hmm. And about December, I always get one, and the light clicks. Mm -hmm. And this year... I had a student and she was kind of quiet and reserved and, and I gave her a solo for Kwanzaa. Mm -hmm. And baby, the kids <laughs> looked, they were like, oh, she gave you, because uh -uh. I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And she did it and she was like, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. We got to the concert and she ran out on that stage by herself and all the kids screamed and I just saw her like, and mm -hmm. she had confidence the rest of the year. She was interested in things. She was engaged in mm -hmm. conversation. That is one of my greatest joys is mm -hmm. turning that light back on. Yes. You don't have to be a dancer, but you have to see that it was something you didn't know. You weren't mm -hmm. sure. You didn't like it, but you tried it. Mm -hmm. And you found out it was good. Mm -hmm. And you still don't have to be a professional dancer, but you remember that moment. Mm -hmm. And it translates into other moments. And I think that's what happened with me. That's good. Is what happened in dance, I translated it to everything else that I did. That's and that's great. what I love about mm -hmm. arts education and the arts in general is that we can tap into another part of the brain and once you have, once that light bulb comes on, you don't have to force them to come to school. They want to come. Right. They're engaged. Right. Okay. Now with that, and we're gonna have to make this like an annual back to school discussion. <laughs> back to school. So okay. from now on, mm -hmm. every, every every August we'll talk right. and we'll kick it off with this. Absolutely. But we're gonna move into our classic Detroit is different questions. Okay. Okay. So um, the first one. All right. Very first car, year making model, and what year did you get it? You're not gonna believe this, Kyrie. You don't know the answer to this question. I bought your daddy's 1967 Volkswagen Beetle 
from mm. him. Mm. My pops. For two hundred dollars. Oh man, that was a my mama decision. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. He had this gold plate. Yes. That, you know that was your mama. He had this gold plate. Uh, Volkswagen Beetle that uh -huh. was made when I was five <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was uh, stick shift mm -hmm. and Janella was your mama was not having it and she was like uh, yeah my niece needs a car so you can sell her that car and he's like well, okay because you know your dad's yes. on like whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever you whatever say yeah, whatever yeah, she right. wants whatever she says and that was smart my man. first mm -hmm. that's right smart man that was my first car i bought it from your daddy where wow. where did you what was the first place you went when you got the ride Ooh, that i don't remember i just remember it being cold and having to push start it sometimes mm -hmm. and and looking at the ground when I was driving because it was rusty and had holes in, in, in the floorboards and, and still loving that little car. I don't even remember like the first place I'm surprised I was. you weren't picking up your brothers and sisters. And, well, they, they ended up riding with me a lot, right? But no, uh-uh. But you don't remember the first ride. And how, how long did it last? Uh, I want to say couple of years okay i want to say a couple of year and a half maybe two Boy, years they do not make cars like that anymore no because so. no, it was already old as <laughs> dirt right 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 already old as right. dirt the gas right. needle didn't work it always gas said empty. it always uh, said empty uh, uh, my mama had filled it up once and uh, brought it home but she had to tell me she filled it up so we never knew how much gas was because it, it always said empty so i went and went to put gas in it, and i gave the guy five dollars and it took like 10 cents I had to go back and give me, he's like, how you only take 10 cents? I'm like, look, long story, just give me my change. Right. <laughs> that was yeah. back in the day, boy, yes. five could take you far. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, five, five, filled it, five would have filled it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, you might okay, me? same question for you. The year, ooh, I think it was 72. It was a four Pinto. It was orange. <laughs> it was a stick shift. It was $300. And... I lied and told my daddy I knew how to drive a stick shift when he when he drove me way out to get this car. And we got there and it was he said, You know how to drive a stick? I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I did not know how to drive a stick. Okay, how long did it There's, take before you popped the clutch? <laughs> right. Instantly. <laughs> let me let me tell you. Let me tell you how you learn how to drive a stick. You drive that mug in Detroit and you get called out your name. Yes. You eventually figure out the rhythm and you not gonna be called a B word no more because you coming up the lodge and you the your clutch the pop and you rolling backwards down the, down the ramp. You get caught cussed out enough. Yeah, you on warn and the lodge. I'm going backwards. I got cussed out so many times. I learned how to drive that stick yeah, that right. day. Yeah, it's like, it's like cousin Billy saying, "It's like I drive a stick. Ain't nobody gonna steal it. No, yeah, nobody know right, how to drive right. it." <laughs> right. All right. So, where was the first place you went? You remember? I went. I think I went to Wayne State. Okay. My first was from yeah, and that's why I, yeah, Wayne State. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Very next question. We'll go to you, Myra. You are the DJ at the Detroit Fireworks at Woodward and Jefferson. It just ended. What three songs are you playing? I'm the DJ at Woodward and Jefferson for the Fireworks. It just ended. I'm going to play Parliament Funkadelic. Okay. I'm going to play <laughs> Celebration mm -hmm. by Cool in the Gang, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to end it with a slow jam. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play Devotion by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, you, you went all funk. We know who you're married to. 
See. All funk. <laughs> My, Myra, good picks. Good picks. Right. Vicky, what are yours? Uh, first of all, the first thing I thought of was Parliament, but then I thought, you know what? I why not just make it a Stevie Wonder? Ooh, night. yeah. Okay. Any, any, anything from Songs in the Key of Life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, you sounded like your mama's kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, mm-hmm. or maybe the, since the fireworks just got off, maybe a few gospel songs. I don't know. <laughs> Try to get folks in the, you know, get get home, go go home, everybody, go home. Go home. <laughs> and gospel nowadays is like so many interpretations because, mm-hmm. like you know, my interpretation mm-hmm. of gospel music was was Mother Dear playing Mahalia Jackson. So oh that's a whole yeah, different. yeah. Well, we can Kurt Flack Franklin there now. We can do that. Yeah, man. I was gonna say, but yeah, that's like new gospel. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's like Mahalia is. It's like oh, that sounds. <laughs> Old school. Okay. All right. So I generally push people to the line with that one, but I'm gonna push you to the line with this one, Vicky. Okay. Um you can rename what word after one Detroiter. Who would it be and why? Ooh, Detroiter. Rename Woodward. Yeah, because you know it was named after a racist uh, judge. John R. Woodward. <laughs> yeah, after a racist judge a long time ago. Um, it, we've already named a few things after Detroiters that we. Let me think. Um, oh, dang, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think of like who's worthy of that because Woodward, man, that's like serious. You got to be really specially, especially deserving of such an honor. And right now, I, I, ooh, <laughs> I, I can, I can, I, I'm, a few people's names are like popping into my head, but it shouldn't be any Motown star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they got, no, it shouldn't be any of those people. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it should be any politician. I'm trying to think of like Detroiters who, oh, like, um, what's the, what's the, what's the father's name who, st- who ran and started Focus Hope? Father Cunningham? Father Cunningham. Maybe okay. Father Cunningham. But somebody like that. Mm-hmm. I would look into those. I would want some people. I would want somebody, not necessarily him, but somebody at least like him. Somebody who was dedicated to um, serving the people of the city of Detroit selflessly. That that would be the criteria. So then I'd want to see, well, hey, everybody submit your names, and then I'll read the bios, and <laughs> then, you know, go from there. Mm-hmm. If I if I was in charge of that process, so Father Cunningham was like one of the people I could think of, and there's a a, a couple of nuns, you know, who nobody would know, you know, if I said who but they see, were. But that's, that's the thing; it could be somebody nobody knows. Okay. Because it's, it's you name it. All right, then okay. I, I'll say Sister Barbara Johns Way. All right. Sister Sister Doctor Barbara Johns, I H M P H D. That was my girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know, every Mary Girl family would know her. She passed uh, several years ago, but she was my favorite nun. Who has a favorite nun? I do. Uh, <laughs> but um, she was a dynamic like woman. Sister act. <laughs> See, <laughs> no, she was a, I mean, just a dynamic woman. Smart, one of the smartest women I, I, I knew and actually very unassuming. Mm-hmm. Like, the first nun I met, I said, yeah. oh, um, we had a PhD, right? I said, oh, Dr. Such-and-Such. And she said, no, 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 call me sister. I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Then the second nun I met, I said, oh, sister such She said, oh, no, 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 I'm Dr. Such-and-Such. I'm like, okay, I don't know now. 
Right. Right. I thought there was a rule to this. So when you right. have a PhD and you're a nun, mm-hmm. they, they're called a sister doctor, but then what? When I met Barbara Johns, I'm like, oh, she's one of them. She's a sister doctor. So I asked her, I said, well, which do you prefer? Because now I've learned, don't assume. And she said, look, I don't care what you call me. Just don't call me late for dinner. She gave that old corny Hilarious. joke. Right. Hilarious. But, <laughs> Hilarious. Right? But, but, but that titles did not matter to her. Mm-hmm. And she was absolutely brilliant. English professor at Mary Grove, um, published author, smart. Um, she she didn't wear a habit and she wore makeup and she had jazzy haircuts and stuff and somebody's in class one day said they were surprised um, that she was a nun because they found out some at some point in the class like mm-hmm. class has been going on for maybe two or three weeks and then somebody mentioned it or something they were like what wait you're a nun but you know you you wear makeup and you got your hairs all cute she said I didn't take a vow of ugliness so that's hilarious that's what i'm talking about just cool yeah she does sound right like the 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 character but that would that's yes. kind of like what i think it's like the duality of like yes. detroit's like that like it's like that's what i'm you talking about no you would not know and again smart a nun you wouldn't know she was a nun she had a phd you wouldn't know that she loved detroit was dedicated to detroit her whole life into mary grove college you wouldn't know like any of that if you you know necessarily met her but um probably one of the biggest boosters of the city and of the college you know like ever mm-hmm. and was in charge of the newspaper and all that kind of stuff for the school and everything so yeah maybe somebody like her but it would have to be somebody that falls under that like i said not a politician and you know, definitely um, not somebody who's famous for, you know, not, and again, it's nothing against the arts, but I mean, what about, there are so many unsung heroes, mm-hmm. I guess is the thing. The people who are not known for really working like with the people in the city of Detroit mm. and making things happen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, it'd be somebody like that for me. Okay. Okay. Myra. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Same okay. Question. So, same question. The first, I have to go with my first mind because whenever I deviate from that, I'm wrong. So the first thing that came on my mind, because I didn't know these, I, I didn't know that was a question. I, when the question came out, Coleman Young Avenue, bottom line, just I flat out, just flat out. He, he gets the most votes. He gets the most votes. But, yes. you know, listening to my sister and analyzing it, I would think the second person I thought would be Harriet Tubman because of the mm. Underground Railroad and the significance of Detroit wow. and the Underground oh, Railroad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And the third would be Fanny Richards, who mm. really started public education. Right, right, right. In the city of Detroit. So those three. Yes. But but Harriet, because of the Underground Railroad and, and putting that history back in people's mind, because like you said, Woodward mm-hmm. was a judge, racist. Mm-hmm. Macomb was, mm-hmm. a, uh, all of these were slave owners. Cass, mm-hmm. uh, John Cass. R. Williams, yep. all of these. Because Jamon does a whole history of these streets, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to rename them, I'm going to rename one Coleman Young Avenue and Harriet Tubman Way and Fannie Richards. And so people would have to say, well, who is that? Right. Mm. Right. And then then they would know this rich, rich history Mm -hmm. of freedom, of justice and of doing things that other people benefited from. Right. So Fannie Richards starts public school for black kids. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's one of our biggest struggles to mm-hmm. maintain since Brown versus Board because mm-hmm. people yeah. just don't want to go to school with us. Mm-hmm. But she what she started still exists. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. to to go back to that source and to lift her up would be mm-hmm. something I would be interested in. Oh and people like Mommy Imani. Yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah. Mommy Imani. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
yeah th- those kinds of people mm-hmm. just, for like, sure did, did what they could the best they could for the people in the city of detroit so this was phenomenal it's good to know like i got a couple standard i was like i'm gonna end up with like i got ng akai you oh, guys wow. it's a couple like i'm gonna always do interviews okay like, all right <laughs> but, and, and that's kind of like into you guys story too because butch small that's mm-hmm. another one of my annuals now mm-hmm. oh wow and he talked a little bit about your you guys meeting too yep that's and, how you we know, met which is so which is so funny and then that was the other i guess this is a guilty pleasure question Lamuma was like so I, he was like well you know i met my wife i was like i kept it all professional during the shoot and everything right did you did you feel the energy that he was liking you no Okay, he so did, he was uh, 100%. He, he, uh, he was stand, because let me tell you, <laughs> he didn't, as he a didn't woman. didn't start zooming in at you? No. Nope. <laughs> if he did, he did it privately. As a woman <laughs> in the industry, as a choreographer, as a director, as a dancer, that's one of my, that would be, that would have turned me so off. He wouldn't have never gotten the first base. Mm. You know, and, and, and it was some other guys, if I only told you at the dinner, that was like, hey, you want some coffee? And they, they was like, mother, you, you know, they, coffee. Right? So they, they was trying, the break room. but he and I locked in room. on the conversation about being an artist, being conscious and mm. not doing any more art that was that our grandmothers couldn't watch or our kids couldn't listen to. Because mm. wow. this was a rap video, and it was a little raw, you know. Y'all seen the video. Y'all be like, that's Mama Mawa. I'm going <laughs> to deny it because I had on a wig. But, hilarious. Hilarious. but, you know, we were shaking it and doing it, but we were like, no, we're at a point in our lives where we want to use our artistry to uplift black people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all people in general, but black people specifically. And we were both, so we locked in on that conversation, and then it was after that conversation that he ask could he get to know me better and had he done it any sooner he it wouldn't have, he wouldn't have made it so mm. as they say like the the the, the <laughs> intelligence turned you on oh man we hear about the, that a lot I, yeah. I don't know if no, people are real. applying that ethic because we hear that all the time it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm turned on intelligently right like, well yeah. the pituitary gland is, not, is in the is in the mind it's uh, in the brain well, mm-hmm. well i definitely uh from from showing up at many many of baby showers i was like i don't know if the intelligence <laughs> Was the first act. Where is he coming? Like, oh, man. But that's good to know. Mm-hmm. And then that that story is so funny. Like I guess between all of the, all these different interviews, it's like I get to tie these stories together. Right? Because Butch has his own interpretation of like how you guys met. He was like, yeah, you know, they used to work and da da da. Because I was like, you know, they're my cousins. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and then you know I love that World One history. Yes, Detroit hip hop, music, mm-hmm. dance, mm-hmm. and and we don't even just want to say a beauty pageant, Miss Black Star, Miss mm-hmm. Black Star. Yeah, all of this Northwest. I didn't even know Northwest Activity Center was doing that. That's yeah. crazy. Northwest Activity Center seems to be have been more active then than today with yeah. programming for, yeah. Yeah. for the community festival for the performing arts. I did it for mm. seven years. We traveled all around the city. And I did it until I was 21 years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Kari. Thank you, Kari. This was very nice. I really enjoyed it. Yep. Peace. Peace. All right.